Hello, it is I, your host, Lee Thornquist, and welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where we usually explore the adventures, perspectives, and philosophies of world travelers and other interesting people. But uh, today is going to be a little bit different. It is just me talking. We have no guest. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to give people a little bit of an update on what is going on in my life. I haven't really been writing much on the blog and had a good opportunity to, uh, to share some stuff. And I wanted to do that through talking to essentially myself so it's a little bit weird, definitely new for me, and uh, I don't really know what to expect, but I'm excited, and I'm doing this because I've uh, I've had some pretty cool experiences, at least I think they are, in the first three months of the year, and I wanted to share them with you, just in hopes that uh, could maybe inspire some people, or help you get out of a little bit of a rut if you're in one, or just help you challenge yourself in a way to help you grow and be a little bit better, however small that may be. So, yeah, I, it's weird. I'm just talking to myself in a room, and uh, it's it's weird. <laughs> but um, I'm excited to share this with you guys. So if you've seen the title, you already know a little bit what it's about. Uh, the agenda for today, if you want to say. Uh, first, I'm going to talk a little bit about the 90 days of sobriety that I recently finished. Um, actually, as of this recording, I'm still right at the end of it, but uh, when this is released, I'll have had my first drinks in three months while I'm on the beaches of Florida, so not too mad about that. But uh, So I'll talk about that, kind of why I did it, and some things I learned, and any advice for people uh, who wanted to do something similar. And then I'll talk about a 30-mile run I did and why I decided to do this crazy kind of stupid thing and uh, and just kind of what I learned from it and some of the conversations I had with myself and and just the pain and suffering of what went on in, in this event. So And then I'll also kind of uh, just give a little bit of an update on things moving forward answer a few fan questions that I asked on my Instagram, uh, which is at Edge of Comfort. Um, so yeah, so excited to share this with you guys. Hopefully this isn't just a bunch of rambling nonsense, and I uh, hope you take some stuff away from this. So uh, sit tight and let's get into it. Starting with the 90 days of sobriety, I got a lot of questions about this just saying, why the hell would you do this? And that's a really good question and something that I had to really ask myself and answer before I did it because I don't know about you and most people, but for me, I couldn't remember the last time I've gone like, sadly, kind of more than like a week or two without at least a beer or a glass of wine or something. Um, I 
I actually did do a, a month or two of uh, of sobriety when I was traveling, but since I've been home and before that, you know, most weekends I would go out and have some drinks, and during the week when I got back from work or whatever, have a beer or a glass of wine, and so I was just thinking, like, man, I really, I don't know, alcohol wasn't a problem in my life, but uh, I just could barely think of a time when gone over a week or two without a drink and I just kind of asked myself like what would happen if I did this um and you know a lot of like I said a lot of the weekends kind of revolved around drinking or um that activity and a lot of our social things in our society involve drinking as well so just wanted to shake things up and give myself a bit of a challenge and uh and honestly like uh, just during the week, sometimes I was looking at the wine bottle more often than not, just after dinner, like, yeah, I could have a glass tonight. And, you know, not that that's anything wrong with that, but I just felt like that wasn't, uh, what I really wanted to be spending my time with and thinking about and having to make that decision every night of whether or not I should have a beer. Um, for me, it just wasn't something healthy that I wanted to get into. So, decided to remove myself from it kind of cold turkey. Um, Another reason why I did this is I was interested to see how kind of my health would respond, both mentally and physically. Um, Yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know how, I can't think of how alcohol affects me. I just was curious how my body would respond and my mind when I removed it from my life. Um, So guess those were the main reasons I just kind of want to see what would happen was interested to see how my health would respond want to give myself a good challenge and uh was also curious just kind of how my social life would be affected and what it'd be like to go out and do stuff and not drinking and just how people would respond to that so we'll definitely be able to talk about that because uh I don't think quite everyone understands it so anyways my last drink was on New Year's Eve of 2018. Probably had a drink on January 1st, you know, midnight after whatever, but uh, was passed out pretty soon after that. Was pretty tired, and uh, as of this, when you're listening to this, I'll have just had my first drink on the beaches of Florida, like I said. So, really, it has been an interesting three months, I must say. I have definitely been tested, both just from myself and pressure from within um, and from other people. But, you know, I think it was like my high school health teacher (laughs) who said there's no such thing as peer pressure. It's all self-pressure. And, yeah, that's true. It's a lot of self-pressure, but there's still some external things that at least initiate that self-pressure sometimes. Um, So, you know, during this time, I still went out, still went to bars, had some late nights, still saw friends and not like I was a hermit and did nothing. Um, I put myself in situations where the main activity was drinking, mostly to see if I could stay strong and also because that's just like what people like to do on the weekends sometimes. So nothing wrong with that. I was just curious how, uh, how it would be being in those settings. So I guess the main observations from this three months and and the sobriety challenge. Number one is that I uh, I really do have 
terrific friends and family because I, I was I was really shocked just at the support and curiosity I got from people. You know, people weren't like, why the hell would, would you do that? Most people were like, oh, like, why are you doing that? You know, how they, their tone when they would ask about it was more curious than anything. Um, and they were supportive. They're like, hey, that's great. You know, keep it up and excited for you. Ex- like, excited to see what it's like. Um so I was really happy to see that and uh, and get that response from people because I really didn't know how people close to me would respond. Um, there's definitely still pressure at times. You know, I had my birthday over this period and went out to dinner and not drinking that. I had a few other friends' birthdays and not drinking at that. So there's still some pressure at times, but it wasn't overbearing and it was a good test. And honestly, which I'll talk about more, people don't really give a shit. And honestly, you may not like you might not give a shit about this conversation at all. This might be stupid that I'm even talking about this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. People like people don't really care. Just okay, you do you. I'll hear I'll hear to support you if if you need it, but like live your life. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so but another thing I guess like it's interesting how people react. Some people really don't get it. And that's more like if you're out at a bar and it's just kind of some stranger or like a friend of a friend. And they're like, hey, I'm getting around. You need one. You're like, oh, no. And they're like, oh, no, I'll get you one. And they still bring one back. You're like, no, I'm not drinking. And they're like, what? Why aren't you drinking? And I don't know. It's, yeah, it's interesting how people react. Um, don't be worried about it because, like I said, most people don't really give a shit. And if they do truly care, like, that's, I don't know. I think there's something deeper going on that there. If the, yeah, 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 can't even talk. I think there's something deeper going on. If someone like truly gets upset that you're not drinking or like really tries to pressure you. And I don't know if that's the case with a lot of the people around you. If you do something like this and uh, I don't know, look into it. Maybe it's time to find some other people to, uh, to hang around, but that's just my personal take. Like, like I said, this is all my personal take. It could all be bullshit. I don't know. This this could do nothing for you, but just my observations from this period. So take it how you want. Um, I got some questions about productivity and like what my weekends were like and what like during the weekend stuff. And well, I would say it helps. It helped to have something to work on and kind of not distract myself with, but something else to fill my time with. And the times, you know, Saturday night, if you don't go out, like even if you aren't drinking, you still want to go out and socialize and do something different because that's we're humans. You know, we need that interaction with people. We need that connection. So if I wasn't doing something on the weekend and was like hanging out inside, yeah, I was more productive sometimes, but there were still a lot of times where I didn't want to do shit. You know, there, you just want to do nothing and you want to be lazy and, I think if you're drinking it, you can you can kind of use it as a fallback. But uh, I, I always found, you know, if Saturday at six, like, oh, I should do some work tonight because I'm not drinking. Well, I still found excuses to not do anything. You know, it wasn't like I was a freaking machine cranking out articles and blog posts and podcasts every waking moment because I just wasn't drunk on Saturdays like you still find outlets to distract yourself with and like not getting done what need to get done sometimes at least for me maybe this is different for other people but I don't know I think you can always kind of find something to distract yourself with 
or to uh, to just kind of ignore what needs to get done, you know, whether that's Netflix or some that might even be working out. You know, sometimes I went for a run to procrastinate or whatever it is. It's there's always things to distract yourself with and don't mistake things for like don't rationalize it as oh I need to do this in order to get in this is why I can't do something else that actually needs to get done um so in the past I would have used drinking as that excuse like oh it's Saturday I I want to go out with friends and yeah I'm gonna have a few beers or I don't know so by not drinking I still made excuses for not doing stuff sometimes I don't know I don't know if that makes sense but I like going into this, I thought that, oh man, you know, Saturdays, if, if I don't go out in the city, like I'm going to sit home on a Saturday night and just be totally undistracted and uninterrupted and have all this time to get work done and just crank out podcasts or whatever. And it sometimes didn't happen. I'd say overall, yeah, I did a little bit more than I probably would have, but there's, it's still that, I mean, you still have distractions and have to kind of convince yourself to do some things sometimes um when you don't feel like doing them or find other ways to uh to excuse yourself so yeah i don't know i might have to reword that (laughs) but uh another so another observation was my health so one of the main reasons i did this was because i was curious about how my health would respond um and it is a little bit tough to pinpoint down like how my health did respond because during this time I also made some bigger changes with my nutrition and some of the ways I was eating. Um, and I was also running four, five, six times a week and training for this run. So it's kind of tough to determine what was a result of not drinking and what was a result of these other changes in my life so maybe this is a combination it's probably combination combination of all three but i'm sure the alcohol kind of affects us as well but uh overall i felt great like not getting hangovers is freaking awesome <laughs> waking up on a saturday or sunday and like just feeling great is yeah you, you know You've you've had weekends where you don't drink and you wake up on a Sunday at 9 a.m. You're like, yeah, this is going to be a great day. Like, let's get after it. And then there's days where you wake up on a Sunday and you barely move from your bed all day. And those suck. Yeah, Saturday's fun, but just crush, having that day just get totally wasted. That sucks. And that's not fun to do when you might only have two days off to yourself a week. So it's, yeah, I can very confidently say not having hangovers is terrific. And if that is all you, the reason you need to try this for a month to yourself, then do it because it's, it is terrific. But, uh, yeah, I mean, energy levels were good. I think during this, it also helped me focus on some other areas of health. Like I was like, okay, well now that I'm not drinking, like, what else can affect my health? And this made me read more about nutrition and diet and eating. And um, and the main thing it really got me looking into was sleep, which 
if I might have referenced this before on the podcast, but the book Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Woohoo! Holy shit. That book is just unbelievable. I will link it in the show notes because you got to read that. Or he also does a podcast with Joe Rogan. At least listen to that because, yeah. So this this period I focused a lot more on sleep and learned just how it affects literally every single part of your existence as a organism and human. Like just from your bodily functions and your... Um, I can't like neurological system and biological system and your mentality and your ability to think clearly and be productive and be positive and just learn and just be, yeah, it affects everything. It's unbelievable. And so I learned that alcohol can affect your sleep and affect not only like your sleep quality, but your sleep rhythms. And so it was very cool seeing just how good of sleep you can get when you aren't drinking, especially on the weekends. Um, But there's still so many other things that factor into your sleep. Like if you have a drink, like it's not that big of a deal. I'm still going to have a beer some nights before like bed, whatever. Um, But I'll definitely decrease that because like sleep has become top priority for me in my health because it affects everything else. It affects your ability to like digest food and what you eat and what you want to eat. It affects. Yeah. Just so, Sleep became number one during this period. So that's been really interesting is just the other areas of health that I've maybe become more interested in and whether that's because of taking these days of sobriety off or whatever, I don't know. But um, yeah, it just it opened up some different avenues for me and some new knowledge. So that's been really cool. Um, and I guess last observation is... Uh, I kind of what I said earlier about like the social aspect is, you know, some people are worried like, oh, it won't be fun to go out to a bar or it won't be fun to like be around people who are drinking. And yeah, maybe that's true sometimes. Like I'd say if any times on the days where it's like an all day marathon, like a St. Paddy's Day or something and where people are like, you know, people are going to be getting belligerent. And yeah, okay, that's not fun because you're sober. You want to be able to talk to people and people are just getting belligerent and rowdy and you can't even have a conversation with people. So yeah, that's not fun. But most other situations are totally fine. Totally fun still. Doesn't really matter. If it's your friends, then you shouldn't feel like you need to be drinking around them. If you're only hanging around people because of drinking or like everything you do revolves around drinking, then they might not be your friends. Uh, so yeah, you know, if, yeah, it shouldn't really affect your social life if you don't want it to. Um, but it can, I mean, I, my desire to go out did decrease a little bit. And that is, I think a little bit just because I'm more naturally introverted in terms of like how I get my energy and kind of how I like to spend my time if I have a night open. Um, so I kind of had to force myself a few times to go out and to, to do that, but still, it's fine. You'll be fine. Just go out and do it. I don't know. And if you are really that worried about it, then you got some other shit to work on and that's a good opportunity to do it. For me, I, I still am a bit shy when I go out. I don't know exactly 
how to approach some people sometimes or if one night we were at a club and like I was not in the mood to dance and I was lame as fuck I just stood there and just like didn't dance and I was like I'm not in the mood for this and I should have you know that was a good opportunity for me to just like fucking get out of my comfort zone literally and just say fuck it and go and dance and have fun even though I was sober um, and not rely on alcohol to do that so yeah it it sorry it presents you new opportunities in social situations to work on some things you probably need to work on and might have been relying on alcohol in the past um like alcohol 100% makes me more talkative you know if i have two three beers i my guard totally goes down i feel like i can have a conversation with anyone very free flow and not hard um and nothing wrong with that you know that's that's why a lot of people do like some social situations or happy hours do have alcohol because it helps people get their guard down. So I had to work sometimes if I went out and wasn't drinking and everyone else was, I really had to force myself to look at it and be like, Hey, chill out, take your guard down, you know, pretend you've had a few drinks and like, how would you be acting? Just like act that way and just get out, get out of your head. That's something I, struggle with sometimes just getting stuck in my head and like oh what do I talk about or what if they think that no just get out of your head focus on the moment the situation and uh and yeah so if you're worried about the social situations just think of it as an opportunity to kind of see how you react to that and what you might have been relying on alcohol to help you with in those situations and then if you are able to pinpoint that and kind of get a glimpse of that then go out and work on that and it's going to be uncomfortable because you're naturally inclined to do that and if you've been relying on alcohol to help you get out of that then suddenly you're not going to have that and you're going to have to figure out some other way to break out of that uh so yeah it's it's a good look at it as an opportunity and uh it'll be fun um so yeah those are the observations i don't know kind of some advice mixed in there too. Um, I guess some other pieces of advice, if you are looking to do something similar, whether that just be for a few weeks or a a month or three or six or a year or life, I don't know. Um, I will say this is all just advice based on my own experiences from this 90 days, as well as, um, the two times when I took a month off when I was traveling. So for me, the first week ish, um, especially on the weekends, is absolutely the most difficult. You know that you're breaking a habit, however small that habit may be. You know, I'm not saying you're an alcoholic and you're coming home and drinking a fifth of vodka every night and being spending your whole day drunk. Like, but if you come home and have a beer after work, usually, like that's a habit. So you're breaking something. You're changing things up. Your brain and your mind is gonna gravitate towards that. And suddenly you're like, oh, wait, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, what do I do? You're going to be thinking about it. So this is in the first week or two, this is when that's most happening and you're breaking that. So during this, the initial week or two, like find something to keep yourself busy and keep your mind occupied so you aren't thinking about it. You know, if you just go home and sit and do nothing and are, are bored and do the same shit you're doing, you're going to be thinking about it more and being like, oh man, I really, you know, oh, I'm sitting here watching the March Madness, like really wish I could be drinking a beer right now. And you're going to kind of feel bad about it. And it's just a bad feedback loop. And 
I don't know. It's not. It just makes it much more brutal and takes away from the experience. So, like, try to schedule something active, whether that's running or like a social, like rock climbing. I don't. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't. Yeah. Just keep something. Keep yourself busy so you aren't thinking about it. Um, and one thing that I will say that. I just learned, like, um, my cousin Patrick did something similar, and he told me about this, that he picked up a part-time job with Lyft. He went out and drove for Lyft during the nights and weekends. And I thought that was a great idea, because not only are you making money, but you're driving. You're doing something where drinking shouldn't be an option. It it definitely is not an option, unless you want to get fired or arrested, whatever. Um... And if you're driving for Lyft on the weekends or Uber, whatever, you're likely going to be picking up drunk people who will be annoying and make you glad you aren't drinking and kind of deter you from that and be like, man, I'm glad I'm not in their shoes right now. So figure out something to do during these first few weeks. Keep your mind off it. And once you get through that kind of first phase or the initial stages of like your normal life, it kind of becomes a little bit easier and uh, you'll be less likely to crack, I think. Because like, if you're four days into it and you're at a party with all your friends and someone's like, oh, come on, just have a beer, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. And then you you cracked and it's done. And you're like, hey, it's only been four days, whatever. This is, yeah, I'm not going to do this. But if you've gone two weeks or two and a half weeks, you'd be like, you know what, I'm doing well. I've got a week and a half, two weeks left. Like, I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to finish strong. So, yeah, find something to do. Or else you will crack, I promise. Another piece of advice is that there's really never a good time to do this. There's there's always an excuse. Like, just, yeah, I mean, during this period, you know, there was the Super Bowl, um, friends' birthdays, my own birthday, St. Paddy's Day, March Madness, sports games, blah, blah, blah. There's always an excuse to drink. There's never a good time. No, When you do this, you will have to miss out on drinking at some sort of event, most likely. But, like, who cares? Whatever. There will be another event. That's the thing. There's There's always something. So you'll miss one or two things, but then as soon as you go back to drinking – there'll still be things there. It's not like it totally disappears. So there's never a good time. I will say there are times that are better. You know, if you know the next three weeks are going to be a bachelorette party and a wedding and a vacation, like, okay, yeah, maybe don't start it then because you're going to be miserable. But there's really never a good time. So maybe try to figure out a time when you don't have those huge life events going on where alcohol will be flowing. Um, another piece, which I don't know if this is just for me, I'd actually be very fascinated to learn if someone else has had this experience. But when I, um, the first week or two, I had a huge surge in like my sweet tooth. I would, I just, Ice, I wanted ice cream. I wanted gummies. I don't know. I Maybe this is just because like my body was craving sugar that I was usually getting from alcohol. And it was just like f- those things were what my mind went to. But yeah, I, I don't know. So if you get a huge like surge in your sweet tooth and wanting to consume sweets in the first week or two, I guess don't be surprised and 
don't try to cave into it because if you replace your alcohol drinking with eating a tub of ice cream, like, are you really doing any good? I don't, probably not. So I don't know, you know, pay attention to some of the changes you might experience. And, uh, if it is something like new cravings, don't give into them, which is a lot easier said than done. Cause there's a lot of times where I didn't, I tried not to go grab some ice cream, but then I did cause it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, don't be surprised if you get sweet tooth. Um, and yeah, if you've experienced something similar, let me know. Cause I was, I was very fascinated by this and I've experienced it in all three times I've taken at least a month off. And I don't know if now it's just like a feedback loop or I expect it or what, but maybe there's some science behind it. Come let me know science people. Uh, another piece of advice is you got to develop a strong why. Why are you doing this? Because you will be asked that and you will ask yourself that. Why the hell am I not drinking? It's it's a beautiful day out. Sports games are on. I wish I could have a beer. Why am I doing this again? You got to have a good reason. If you don't have a good reason, you're going to crack. It, it, you just will. Especially like if this is something that you know is going to be a challenge for you and you don't have a good reason, like it, you're going to crack. You will be tested if you don't have a good reason to f at least fall back on and that you can answer for yourself or to other people if they ask you, like, it's just going to be much more difficult. You're going to question your decision a lot more and maybe you won't crack, but I think the chances are much more likely that you will. So finally, um, in terms of the social stuff, I don't know how much people are actually worried about this or not. Maybe it was just me because... I don't know, but understand that you don't have to explain what you're doing to people. Like people don't have to know that you're not drinking. If you go out to a bar and you aren't drinking, like people don't have to know, like people, most people don't care. But if someone does ask, just say like, oh, I'm sticking with water for right now. Or, or you can say, oh, just like taking the, taking it easy tonight or, oh, I'm driving. Like, you don't have to be like, well, I'm doing this because I want to challenge. You, you don't have to tell people. But if they are genuinely curious and want to know, then yeah, go ahead and explain. And definitely explain to those people that you want to know, like your friends and your family and people close to you who like, yeah, let them know, explain your reasoning. But understand that not everyone needs a full story and not everyone deserves a full story. Like, I don't know. You don't, if you want to tell them, go for it. If you think it'll help, but they also don't have to know. So I hope that helps. I don't know. This, this felt like a lot of rambling, but, uh, I highly would recommend it. It's, it's a good challenge. Even if it's just for a few weeks or a month or you want to do three, like it's the first few weeks can be difficult, but after that it's, it gets easy. Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, at least for me, maybe it is, you know, I can only speak to my, for myself. So if you have any questions, please let me know. Or if you're thinking of doing something or like you are doing something and you're in a moment of weakness or, you know, something's coming up where you're going to be tested and be very heavily, uh, in, not influenced, but, uh, yeah, tested, I guess, like reach out to me on Instagram or email, um, lee.t at edgeofcomfort.com. 
Instagram is probably the best way. It's at uh, edge underscore of underscore comfort. Um, yeah, let me know. And I did have a question. I just came in uh, now that I'm checking my Instagram. Um, question was, what were the main differences you noticed in your body from 90 days sober? So I did talk about this a little bit, um, and I wish I could give a better explanation just from the sobriety part. But like I said, it was, uh, I think a mix of some of the nutritional things and, um, the other areas of health, like sleep and, uh, the exercise I was doing. So it's tough to say, but, um, overall improvements all around. So I don't think this can really hurt you unless you fill your emptiness with other bad habits, like eating a tub of ice cream every night. Because that will have just as bad, if not worse, effects. So be smart about it. All right, so is that enough? You guys tired of hearing me talk about this shit? Because I kind of tired of talking about it. Uh, <laughs> um, I hope I hope that helps. I don't know, but yeah, if you know, if it doesn't, and you skip through all of it, great. Let's get to the other thing. So thirty mile run. That is what is next. So. A lot, this actually kind of worked out nicely where this run was right towards the end of my 90 days of sobriety. I didn't really plan it to happen this way, but it did, and I'm definitely not upset about that. So I guess to start with this, um, I guess just start at the beginning. I mean, for me, this a 30-mile run eight months ago, I would have laughed at you if you told me like I would be doing that nine months, eight. Yeah. Eight months ago, I had never run more than more than a 5k probably. Maybe I've done four miles before 5k is three point. Was it 3.1, 3.2? I think it's 3.1. Yeah. Um, I'd barely done over that in my life, like more than four miles eight months ago. And I got back from my trip abroad and towards the end of my trip, I was in New Zealand. So I was doing a lot of hiking and felt like I was in pretty good shape from all this hiking. So I was like, you know what? I kind of want to kind of want to keep this rolling and uh, keep myself in in good physical fitness. Um, I'm broke as hell, so I don't really want to pay for a gym right now. You know, what, what else could I do that could help me keep this up and, um, I decided that I would try to do a half marathon. I like I do not consider myself a runner. I definitely didn't eight months ago, but I was like, you know what? A few years ago, I never would have thought I would do a half marathon or any sort of long running. Like I, I do not enjoy running. More than three miles seems like forever for me. Like I don't know how the hell people do that. Um, so I was like, this would be a good challenge for not only my fitness level, but also my mentality. So I'll go out and I sign up for the Chicago Half Marathon. And at this time, like this was a this was a huge challenge for me. The first time I went out and did a four mile run, my God, I thought it was like 10 years had passed. It felt like forever. The first time I did a five mile run, I could not walk the next day. My ankle hurt so bad. I had to take a week off and ice it. Like that's crazy to think about now. So I was not a runner, did not consider myself a runner, really didn't know what I was doing, no experience. Um, so I trained well and I went out and I did a half marathon 
woohoo, whoopty fucking do, good for me. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I, I got to keep this rolling. And one of my other friends was like, hey, I want to do one too. There's one in a month. Like, will you sign up for that with me? And I was like, yep, I can keep keep kind of my level of fitness up and do that. So another month later, did a half marathon. Um, did better as I would hope I would do. Um, but you know, not to say that to brag or anything, but just kind of show you like things can really improve and can pick up fast when you do get some momentum going. Like three months prior, I could barely run four or five miles. And then now I've done two half marathons and improved my time by like almost 30 seconds uh, per mile. So like things can pick up fast when you get that momentum going and just freaking get started. So I, that's my point with that little blurb. But um, so now I've done two half marathons and I asked myself, what's next? I really don't know. It took me a few weeks to answer this, you know, it's kind of thinking like, okay, I kind of did the running thing. Am I, can I kind of stop that? You know, am I good with running? Like, I don't feel like I need to do a marathon. Actually, when I finished my first half marathon, I said in my head, <laughs> I cannot imagine doubling that. Like, holy shit. I, I just could not imagine what that would feel like. I was like, I don't think I would want to do that. So thought about it for a few weeks and I was like, well, I'm doing well. It's, pretty much still free for me and I wasn't still I just still don't have an income so I'm like it's free I can keep doing this and uh I'll at least keep running until I figure something else out and then um I decided that I would there weren't really like any signups for a marathon or anything because it was winter so at least near me in Chicago so I decided that I would go out and by the end of March I would do a 30 mile street run just by myself, just one Saturday morning, just go out and do 30 miles. And I was like, that'll be a good challenge and keep me motivated to keep running and give myself something to work for or work towards. Now, a few weeks after I was at a Christmas party and I reconnected with one of my sister's friends who I knew in childhood and really hadn't seen in a while and I, I knew she had completed like an Ironman or two and just done some other crazy runs in the past. Like she was always a person you'd like look at and be like, oh yeah, she's like, she's that person. She does that crazy shit. Um, so I started telling her about this challenge I created for myself and she's like, oh, well, my husband and I were actually signed up for a 30 mile trail run towards the end of March. Uh, you should sign up for that and, and run it with us. And I was a few beers in and I was, you know, not really, she said trail run, but I was like, okay, well, it's still 30 miles. Like, I don't really know what that means. Like the trail part, but like, hell yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> so I signed up the next week and, uh, so I'm signed up for this trail run end of March and was not aware of this at the time, but trail runs are really <laughs> an entirely different beast when it comes to that sort of distance. You know, my, my last half marathon was just above an eight minute pace per mile. And so I went onto the ultra site and I looked at the results for the race from the previous year and like looking at who finished where and you know, what people like, what their pace was. So the winner for the men was right around like four hours and 30 minutes. 
So using my pace from the only other long runs I've done, I was like, oh man, like if I train right and like do this well, I could win, I could win this whole thing or I could at least get like second or third or like top five men. Like these people are kind of running slow, like five and a half, six hours. Like they're running 10, 11 minute miles. Like, holy shit, they're slow. Basically my ego was just running wild with scenarios of how great I would do. Like I had zero basis of like the winner of this was at four hours and thirties. I'm like, oh yeah, I could do that. Like not a fucking clue. Yeah, you know, so just that was a good little uh, now that I'm here and have done everything, I can kind of look back and just laugh at how stupid I was to think that and uh, a little bit dangers of the ego and just uh, how it convinces you of some things. But um, so I actually had the opportunity and was fortunate to. uh, So the the track that the trail was on, it was a 10 mile loop. So we do it three times for the for the event, and it's in Illinois. So I over Christmas time I was near there, and I went to do a loop of the track, and just kind of see what it was like. And I am very glad I did because you know a few weeks earlier when my ego's going, oh yeah, I could win this thing. Um, I did a, one loop of this and was absolutely wiped. I was torched. I could like I got done with that which throughout walked a ton and I was like, holy shit, this was 100% the hardest run I've ever done. It was 10 miles. You know, I've, I've done 13 mile runs. This shouldn't be as hard. I would, I could not believe how difficult it was. Like I thought I was like, holy shit, what did I sign up for? But it was a great, great, great ego check and gave me a great insight into, okay, I've got to train for this way different. Like, yeah, I just knew that I was like, okay, now I kind of know what I'm getting into. This is not just a regular street run. I got to do some different shit. I, I know nothing. I need to learn from other people and figure out at least how I can finish this thing. Like my goal at, right after that one, that yeah, right after that run went from not how can I win this to how can I finish this? So that was, it was very glad that I had that ego check at that time. Cause if I would have been going with that original mindset up until the event, I would have had my ego just shot like the first few miles of that. And that would have that. And that would have been a much, much different story. Um, so I guess just real quick, kind of back up why I did decide to do the 30 mile run was really, I just wanted to challenge myself physically Um, I wanted to see what my body and my mind was capable of and like what would happen if I pushed myself is same thing with the drinking. It just kind of asked myself like, what would happen if I did this, which is a question that I need to be asking myself more because like, it's just, I don't know, just what would happen if I did this? What would happen if I did a 30 mile run? What would happen if I tried to train for this? Um, and that question just sparked everything else and was a, I don't know, just that curiosity I think was enough for me to, to get me through some tough, some tough times throughout this. Um, and I, it was also a cool opportunity for me. I was like, you know, I need to shatter a previous belief. A few years ago, I vividly remember saying to someone like they had just done a marathon and I was like, I can confidently say 
I will never do a marathon. I have absolutely zero desire to do this. I don't want, like, I never see myself doing that. So, I, and I still remember that. And I remember that when I first did my half marathon. So it was cool to be like, wow, what if I shatter this belief that I used to have and just, yeah, what would happen if? Um, so I, I won't go into my training because um, that's probably a bit boring unless you're doing your own training. Um, so if you are training for something like this and you want to ask some questions, you know, I'm definitely not the most knowledgeable person, but can at least offer a few tips. Um, just shoot me an email again, lee.t at edgeofcomfort.com, and uh, we'll go from there. So back to this. So I've done the loop, one loop of it. My goal went from finishing to, no, my goal went from winning, which I still laugh at, um, from winning to finishing, which is quite a shift of goals, but uh, important. So through January and February, um, you know, Chicago winter, a lot of excuses not to run, but uh, still went out, trained hard, a lot of ice and snow, just kind of, I don't know, that's a whole different conversation in itself, just kind of not giving a shit about that stuff and just doing what needs to get done. But, uh, you know, towards the end, I was up to over 40 miles a week. Um, I'd done some intense long runs. I think the longest run I'd done just on the, like a street run was 21 miles. So, you know, beginning of March, I'm, I'm feeling good. I've got three weeks until the event and, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. So first weekend of March, went out to a, a trail nearby that was kind of sort of mimicked the, the trail I would be doing with the elevation gain and terrain and everything. And it was 100% ice and snow. Like every single step of that run was on ice or snow. And I did ended up getting through like 15 miles. I was gunning for 24, but uh, 15, 16 miles in, Something happened with my left foot and felt like a deep bruise kind of like right in the bottom and the arch and I, I could not I could not physically run. So I ended up walking a few more miles and, and got to the t- 20 miles and um, after that I was just like, oh shit, like I am three weeks out from the event. My foot hurts to a point where it just hurts to walk on it. Like what now? So took the next week completely off kind of lingered throughout the next week and two and didn't really know what to do. Did a few more runs. Like during the three weeks leading up to the race, I only did five, maybe six runs, which was way, way down from what I was hoping to do. And, uh, yeah. So going into the race, like I honestly didn't know what to expect. I was like, now, now my goal was really just like to finish and to get through this. I had no idea how my foot would respond. I was battling an illness a week prior. Like there's a lot of excuses for why things could go wrong. So a little bit worried about that and, uh, didn't really know what to expect from this, I guess. So the event itself, um, I'll get into a little bit because I have a few questions about that, which will help explain it. Um, so, like I said earlier, it's a uh, it was a ten mile loop, three laps of that, and 
I guess at a higher level, first lap went great, ran a lot of it, um, walked up hills sometimes, but I was feeling good, feeling strong. I like finished my first loop, like smile on my face. I'm like, hell yeah. Like I'm, I'm feeling good. And I thought back to that first loop I did three months prior. I was just like, wow, like I I've come a long ways. You know, I, I was proud of myself after that first 10 loop, like first 10 miles. It's like, Last time, last time, yeah, last time that I did this. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words. Last time I did this, I was done. I couldn't move, and now I've done this, and I'm feeling good and ready for two more. So, next loop, go out about two miles into this. So, right about mile twelve, mile thirteen. One step with my left foot, bing. Very sharp pain right in the area that's been. Uh, giving me trouble, I just instantly, my mind just went, fuck, just right away, I, I walked, and I'm like, oh man, is this it, like, and I'm not gonna lie, a tiny part of me was like, oh, thank God, like, I, this is the most kind of, not twisted, but just interesting part of this was like, I was almost glad that that had happened, because it gave me an excuse and a valid one too, at least in my mind, you know, no one would have, no one would have, everyone would have understood if, oh, I didn't finish because I had an injury and whatever, like, oh, it's, you know, you did what you could, whatever. And so it right away, like, you know, a part of me was just like, okay, like I can stop trying. I can stop suffering. But then I thought, like, luckily I was able to get over that somewhat quickly. and was like, no, like, as long as I can still walk, I am going to do this. And so the pain kind of went away. It wasn't as sharp. It was still there, but it wasn't to the point where it had been three weeks previous where I couldn't even, like, walk on it. So kind of half ran, half walk. Um, like the next eight miles, honestly, miles 12 through 20, 21 were by far the most difficult for me mentally and physically, you know, my legs were right on the border of cramping. I could feel it in my quads. Just like, I felt like I was one hill away from just locking up and not being able to move. My foot was still giving me pain. It was, it was a mental battle, that entire eight, nine miles, 100%. That was 100% mental battle with, I guess, a little bit of physical too, obviously. Um, and I have a question about kind of that conversation, which I'll get into in a minute. So, um, so I got done with that second loop, so mile 20, and I, um, the people I was running with who had signed up for the event, and Jenny and Drew, um, Drew was unfortunately not able to run due to a due to an injury, and um, he was he was standing by the cars where each loop kind of finished. And I was talking with him, and he's like, you know, what is your pain level at? And you know, like, what are you thinking? What's going through your mind? And for me, it was just like, you know, I can still walk. I'm still on my feet. It's not to a point where it's unbearable. Like, I just got to go. I just got to go out and do it. He's like, I think that's right. Get to it. So went out and, uh, started the next loop. First few miles were still pretty tough. And, um, and then honestly, like I just, the pain kind of went away. I don't know if this was adrenaline of like 
seen the finish line in the distance. Um, but like the last five, six miles, I felt good. I ran the majority of it. The pain in my foot went away. My legs, the cramping kind of went away and I finished strong and I ended up finishing in like six hours and 12 minutes, I think. Yeah, six hours, 12 minutes and 40 seconds or so, um, which is slower than I was hoping for. I was hoping to beat six hours, but hell, I mean, I still finished and uh, it was it was weird. I don't know. Like, it was just a very interesting dive into my mind and into the physicality of it and of what I previously thought was possible for sure. Um, and so I guess I, some of the like main things I learned if, if we're looking for some insights or life lessons here is that really we do have a much higher tolerance for pain than we think that we're able to push ourselves. You know, if we're able to push ourselves and kind of get past that initial like discomfort for a sign of adversity, like you can really push yourself much, much farther than you actually think is possible. Like it's, it's actually scary. Like I know this is maybe sounding a bit like if you've listened to David Goggins, who has been a huge influence in my life recently, he talks about this a lot in his book and is definitely one of my own influences and like someone I thought about during this run. He talks about just like, man, what what are we leaving on the table? You know, he went out and did a hundred mile run after like, I think pretty much zero preparation. He did a hundred mile run with zero training which he highly recommends not doing and I would probably never think to do myself. But the fact is that he did that and that is possible. But like he, it's not like he did that without suffering and without pain. He just was able to push through it. So we are able to push through that pain. And it, so to read about this from his own experiences and books and then to actually kind of see it in action in my own life at obviously a much smaller scale you know i'm not comparing this to a hundred mile run by any means or any of the other shit that he's done because he's a whole different sort of level um but it it was just cool seeing that in action and actually like experiencing it for yourself is like whoa this actually is true um but with that you know there is a fine line between pushing your body beyond what you think you can do and what you think is possible and actually doing that and also listening to your body so you don't totally injure yourself and fuck your body up. Like, and this, honestly, I don't know how to walk this line exactly. Like, it, there, there's just a difference between that real actual pain that you can't move from, like a true injury and a bit of discomfort that you rationalize as pain and stop because of like, oh, I don't want to injure myself. Oh, they're like, you know, it's kind of feeling a bit iffy, like I should stop. And, you know, maybe that's okay at times, but I think too often we do rationalize that and stop way before we actually need to. So it's just interesting to see where the mind goes. And if you do take over that part of your mind, like what can you actually do? Um, so yeah, that was cool to see. Um, also with that, um, 
I guess off the David Goggins stuff, you know, his whole message is preaching mentality. You know, if you don't have control over your mind, you're, you're screwed. And it's so true. Like this is a a good time to bring in the first question was, um, from Instagram was, um, what was the worst conversation with yourself like during your run? And what did you learn from that conversation by finishing? One second while I take a sip of water. So I really like this question because the conversation with myself throughout training has been uh, has been interesting. And I was, interested to, I was interested to see how it would play out during the actual event. So yeah, so what was the worst conversation with yourself like during your run? So the worst conversation with myself, if we're going to say worst, I'd say the most negative and the conversation that was making me question what I was doing the most and making me want to stop and, and suffering and maybe some more existential life type shit. Um, but by far the worst conversation was during those eight miles where my foot, when I first got that real pain, you know, up to that point, I had not felt it at all with one step. Suddenly there it is. And it's there hard. And I'm like, Oh shit. And like I said earlier, I felt that initial first like wave of relief. Like, Oh, like, yeah, I don't want to be injured. I've trained for this. I want to do well, but also I felt that. And I was just like, Oh, kind of like, Oh, thank God. Like I, I can't stop, you know, if I, I have an excuse to stop, that was what went through my head. Like I, I have an excuse and it's a, it's a good excuse if, you know, if you want to say that. So for eight, for eight miles over an hour of this, more than that hour and a half, I am, I'm having that conversation with myself of like, I have all the excuses in the world. There's a million excuses like my legs are cramping. I don't, you know, I feel tired. I feel bad. My, my foot is hurting. I have all the reasons in the world why I could not do this. And it would be like, no one would, no one expected or would expect me to finish this with this going on. And I was having this conversation with myself, like, you know, why am I doing this? I, I should stop. This hurts. And at the same time, I'm like, fuck that. No, I, I did this to challenge myself. It, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Like no one, there's a reason why there's only a hundred people at this event. Like it's, it is going to be hard. There's going to be suffering. You have to just fucking deal with it. So it's this constant battle in my head of like, oh, you know, I don't want to totally ruin my foot and I have every excuse to stop, but also I want to do this. I want to challenge myself. I want to complete this. And kind of that mentality of like, like I said earlier, kind of walking that line of like pushing beyond what you think you're capable of, but also not totally injuring yourself or doing some serious damage. And so it was almost like I wasn't willing to put myself on the line to reach that serious damage if it did happen. I wanted to stop before that even happened because it was easier and I knew that, you know, I was tired every time I would stop walking and start running. Like five minutes later, I'm like, man, I'm tired. I want to walk my foot. Like just this constant battle in my head of 
these excuses. That was by far the hardest because they, they're so rational. They make sense to you. You know, we're rational creatures and it makes sense. Like it made sense to me that I should stop, but it was just kind of trying to almost ignore that and not ignore it, but just like get past it as quick as possible, which took me much longer than I like to admit. You know, ideally that's something that like you can just get over in an instant and maybe that's something that can happen after you do this much more times in your life or different forms of it. But, um, but yeah, it took me a long time to get over that excuse mentality. And I would like, that's the one thing I wish I could have done different is just like get out of that quicker and just fucking start running. Cause it went away. That's the pain went away. It like, it's, it felt like one of those things where the only way out of it was through it. Like if I, if I would have stopped at mile 15, I don't know what I would have been thinking. Like, I would have rationalized it as like, oh, I, I needed to stop. You know, my foot was hurting too much. Like, it it needed to happen. I needed to stop. Well, no, I didn't. I Like, that's that's what is the craziest thing about this to me, is I could have stopped. This If I would have stopped, right now I'd be talking about that and how I stopped and rationalizing that. But whatever kept me going kept me going and I was I was able to finish it like imagine that you stop at mile 15 be like yeah you know there's no way I could have finished well fuck that yeah there was because I did and so that just that seeing that in action is it's crazy so that conversation and I guess that's kind of what I learned through it is like you just have to find a way to get through that conversation if it is very negative and just like keep yourself going because you probably can get through it. And if you don't, you're going to rationalize of why you couldn't, but you won't know if you didn't actually try. So that trying was huge for me and I was prepared to go until I really couldn't walk. But like I said, it took me a long time to get out of that excuse mentality and that conversation I was having with myself. So yeah, that was in terms of the run that was by far the hardest and also another kind of um not necessarily the worst conversation i had with myself but a difficult one was you know during the heart of that shit when the finish line is <laughs> over 3 hours away and you're just like man why why am i doing this you know i i think this was mostly because i listened to a podcast the day or two before where um, it was Rich Roll and uh, Jedediah Jenkins who wrote a book called uh, To Shake the Sleeping Self and he rode his bike from it was like Seattle to Patagonia or some crazy shit Um, actually I haven't read the book yet but I listened to his conversation and something he brought up was like he questioned that if if he was doing it because it was something that he just wanted to be known for. Like, you know, I am. I just want to be known as someone who does this type of thing or if he's doing it because it's something he actually wants to do. And that question popped into my head, you know, when I'm in the thick of that, in the darkest, those dark eight miles where I'm questioning why I'm doing this and playing with these excuses and why, I, you know, giving myself all the reasons to stop. I was like, you know, do I actually want to do this? Why, 
is this actually something I desire to do and want to keep doing after this? And, you know, did I just do this because I want to be known as someone who does this? Um, and I, during, you know, when I asked myself that, I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed the process of this and I enjoyed the running and the training and everything it's brought me in the, and kind of even the suffering of it. Like, it's been good and I've, I've grown from it for sure. So I like that part. So, I don't know, but it's, it's fucking hard. Like, do I actually like this part of the suffering? Um, so I, I honestly, I don't, couldn't answer that during it, but after, I mean, I was like, you know what, as hard as that was, like, I really enjoyed it and like getting out of that dark conversation was awesome and getting through that. And I was like, I think that alone tells me that it is something I actually want to do. And it's like welcoming that suffering into your life. And that's, oh, this is, um, Jenny told me about one of the phrases that her dad would tell her. And, um, when they were doing Ironmans, <coughs> he would say, show up and suffer. And I love that because suffering is a part of life. hundred percent. If you don't think that, then I'd don't know what to tell you, but they're suffering in life. And so, you know, with this, it's like find the things that you want to show up for and invite that suffering into your life. You know, obviously there's suffering that happens and you can't necessarily control, whether that's like a death of someone or something else in your life, but there are ways that you can like invite that suffering into your life to not like, yeah, to challenge it. Like, I'm going to bring suffering into my life and see if I can get through it and what happens by bringing this into my life. And physical activities are a good-ass way to do that because, yeah, you go out and run for six hours, like, you're going to suffer. So with physical activities, whether it's this or some other thing you're doing or, you know, just working out or just trying to get in a lift before work, whatever, even those you know, quick 20 minute things or just doing 10 pushups in the morning, like just show up and suffer. Find the things that you want, that you are okay with suffering for, like show up for it, invite that suffering into your life, see if you can get through it and what will happen because of it. Cause I promise that you will grow and become better from it. And even if you don't get through it, like you'll learn something from it, from that suffering. So that was, uh, I really like that phrase and we'll be using that going forward. So thank you, Jenny, for sharing that with myself. Um, so one other question on Instagram, what is your next race? Uh, I guess before that, yeah. So this, I guess actually, yeah, I guess that's kind of the end of the 30 mile trail run. It was a hell, it was a hell of a time. It was, it was hard. It was fun. Definitely questioned why the f hell I was doing it many times. But, uh, you know, getting through it and kind of seeing what happened with my physicality and mentality and those conversations have with yourself when things get tough and things don't go your way. Like, it's an interesting place to be. And I think something that I need to invite more of into my own life. And I hope that others invite into their own life as well because, um, you know, it's, if you don't do it, 
it's still going to happen to you. That suffering is still going to happen to you in different ways. So if you can try to prepare for it and invite it into your life, I keep saying that phrase, sorry, but, um, you know, you're going to grow from it and you're going to be better. So, and it doesn't have to be a 30 mile run, you know, it can be small ways too. Um, and that's actually something else that I'm going to talk about in another podcast later, just like trying to, uh, invite, I'll stop saying invite, trying to expand your comfort zone in smaller ways in your life. You know, it's easy to kind of do these larger, like sexy type things to expand your comfort zone. Like, oh, I'm going skydiving and, oh, I'm, I'm going to go, I don't know, you know, do those things that you're really excited to tell people about that are going to push you out of your comfort zone. And those are important. And those, you know, those are the sexy things, but it's oftentimes like the small things that happen day to day in your life that are really actually important that you do and get out of your comfort zone with. Um, cause that's where you will actually grow from the most and it'll just kind of compound on everything else in your life. So yeah, I encourage you to find ways to, uh, to take that suffering head on in ways that you actually want to. Um, so yeah. Um, I don't know if, I don't know how I got there, but that's that's the 30-mile trail run. Thank you to everyone who uh, helped me get through that and was supportive. So what is your next race? Good question. I'm still asking myself the same question, and I wish I could answer it right now. I might have an answer in a few weeks, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I am uh, definitely going to keep running. Um. It's finally getting nice out, so to not have ice on trails will be a welcome sign. But uh, I've been thinking about if I want to do another 30-mile run and try to improve my time or do like a street marathon or just try to get faster overall. Um, But I think long-term, as much as I kind of hate to say it, I'll probably do a 50-mile run. Yeah. I I would like to do a 50-mile run because, I mean, just kind of keep pushing my level and my boundaries of what I think is possible because, like I said, eight months ago, never ran more than a 5K. Three months later, I've done two half marathons. Four, five months later... I've done a 30-mile run, and I could walk the next day. So it's just kind of like, shit, is there a limit? I'm not necessarily trying to find that limit, but at least push it and expand my own mind and, I guess, invite that suffering into my life more often. Sorry, I said invite suffering into your life probably 50 times in the last 10 minutes, but uh, I kind of like that phrase if you haven't been able to tell. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not sure on the next race. At some point, I'll definitely probably do a 50-mile run. But uh, we'll see. Got to figure figure that out. I'll keep you updated. So that is it for the 90-mile, or no, oh, wow, 90-mile run. Maybe that'll be the next event. The 90-day sobriety and the 30-mile run. Like I said, it worked out that these kind of both happened at the same time. But um wasn't really planned that way, but it just kind of fell into place nicely. So moving forward, people. Wow, it's already been over an hour. Holy shit. 
sorry, this has probably been a lot of rambling. But uh, update moving forward. Um, podcasts are coming out bi-weekly every other Monday. Uh, we've got some actually some pretty great guests coming up already uh, recorded. And um, I'll, I may try to do a few more like these, just kind of me talking to myself or diving into a topic that's been interesting to me or um, just kind of been some sort of experience that maybe I feel like could help sharing it with others. So let me know if you like this because, like I said, this is totally new for me. I've never done something really like this. Um, and it's, it's actually kind of been fun for me. Hopefully it's been fun for you to listen to. And I hope you've been able to take something away from it. Um, but if not, let me know because then I can work on it to be better next time. So really thank you f- for listening. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't have anything else to say. Go on, enjoy your day. Find a way to challenge yourself, whether that's a tiny little way, like going up and talking to someone new or send your goal to go do a half marathon or marathon or a 30-mile run or two weeks of sobriety, whatever it be. You know, I think we all have more capability in us than possible, and we are all capable of doing much more than we think. So just figure out a way to bring that into your life and to uh, start pushing the edges of what you think is possible and the edge of your comfort zone. Whoa. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, thank you for listening and, uh, shoot me a a message on Instagram at edge of comfort or an email lead.t at edge of comfort.com. As always, if you want to uh, sign up for emails and get podcasts and blog posts in your inbox, just go to edge of comfort.com. Um, and there'll also be, some show notes on there for this to help you skip around or see some of the links to uh, those podcasts or people I mentioned. So uh, shout out David Goggins, Rich Roll, many other people who've been uh, helpful in uh, expanding my own mind without having to do anything by just reading. So, yep, that's it. Go on with your day. Go on with your life. And until next time.